It's not playing with Lex and Dan. I'm the Lex half of the equation. I'm the Dan half of the equation. And together it adds up to magic. Dan Lex. Lexton. I've never been that good at math. I'm more of a writer. Uh, But uh, as you know, or not, each week we watch a new movie. And it's new in the sense of new to at least one of us. And tonight's movie is Die Hard. Dan, have you seen Die Hard? Oh, so many times. Uh, I have seen it zero many times. Well, that's interesting because our show is about watching movies for the first time. So that's that's quite the coincidence. <laughs> it's lucky that we picked this one. Then. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I mean, if we'd picked like, you know, I don't know, you know, uh, the Nutty Professor or something, we might be. <laughs> I've seen that one. I think I saw it and I regret it. I've seen it. the Eddie Murphy version. I haven't seen the, the original. It was Jerry Lewis? Jerry Lewis? I didn't see the Jerry Lewis one. All right. I'll tell you what I know about Die Hard. I know Bruce Willis is in it. I know he says yippee kaye motherfucker. Did you say zippy kaye? Yippee. Yippee. And, that would be and, correct. And I know that um, for, I know from the Chris Farley show on Saturday Night Live that at some point I believe Bruce Willis takes off his shoes and socks and walks across walks across a, a pile of broken glass. All right. I believe the bad guy. No, not the bad guy. I believe the um, one of the guys from Galaxy Quest is the bad guy in this movie. Maybe. Yeah, that's technically correct. That's about all I know. Well, so let's let's get Die Hard queued up and ready to go, all right? Well, I've got my movie right up to the point where the 20th Century Fox logo fades to black, so I'm ready when you are. All right, we'll hit play in one, two, three. Wow. Just a just a good a feel good Christmas movie, Lex. Now, we did have some innocent people die, right? We had the two FBI agents. I mean, were they innocent? They were. A uh, Deverell White was Argyle, just in case you were not clear. But um, terrorists. Uh, I like the terrorists get a separate block. Were there were there other innocent people who got killed? I don't count Ellis as innocent. Uh, I don't know that there were any that we saw, Big Johnson and Little Johnson. I I don't think we saw any of the other hostages get killed, right? Because right, wow, basically just terrorists. Devorah White does not look the same now. I mean, again, twenty five years ago, he was Aristotle on the TV series Head of the Class. Oh wow, I remember that show. Do you remember Aristotle? Vaguely, I haven't seen that show in years. All I remember is uh, Howard Hessman, who was the DJ from WKRP, was the teacher. And he then also, later, Billy Connolly was later the teacher. He also played three different characters on Little House on the Prairie. Deborah White. He did. That's... There's something... That I can only think of terrible things to say about <laughs> Yeah, I'll just let it go. <laughs> it's actually it's a good thing, because that meant that they thought that... <laughs> Diversity was important on the prairie. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so shall we? Are we just gonna are we gonna, are we gonna launch into this? Yeah. We can, well, we I'm can... I'm gonna stop this because I don't feel like I need fine. to see the rest of the credits. Uh, they're not that important. Yeah. So we've watched Die Hard, Lex. You've seen it for the first time. I have. 
For the last time or just? Well, you know, I, I don't know that I need to see it again now that I have seen it, but I enjoyed it. I did not expect it to be uh, funny the way it was at times. Mostly intentionally funny. Like I had said, I, I the uh, the Alan Rickman death scene did not quite work for I, me. I, I think that's a I think that's a, a a trademark of the time almost. I mean, part of it I think there is a special effects like they're trying to make the drop look realistic, and I think right. the compositing stuff it probably helped to slow it down at that point in time. But yeah, it does come off looking a little bit comical. I will say that that particular scene is used as a flashback in the third movie, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious because then it looks even a little more dated. Right. But I mean, your point your point about funniness is interesting because this I mean, this movie almost single-handedly is my understanding invented sort of the action comedy like as we know it today. Interesting. It did not really exist as a genre before that. I mean, yeah, there there were sort of action movies that had comic elements. I think of like things like James Bond. Right. You know, but like the blockbuster action comedy like genre did not really exist before that. And of course, Bruce Willis before this movie was primarily a comic actor because his big role was moonlighting. Right. Which so, I've never seen. Which but, is, it's very good. It's well written, I have to say. But apparently it's ruined when he gets together with uh, the actress Sib- whose name is Sib- Sybil Shepard. Sybil Shepard, right. Sybil, her later sitcom, also an action comedy, though most people don't realize that. I just remember the promos where they would say Sybil's on Sunday on CBS. It was alliterative. Sibilance. I yeah. Well, you know, I um I liked now see for me the it wasn't the the lousy effect that bothered me or the slow mo that bothered me. It was I well maybe it was a piece of the slow mo. It was the it was the facial expressions, the I'm going to shoot you because I'm still here and I have my gun to the oh shit, you've unfastened the thing and I'm about to start falling and die. I found the the transition of emotions on his face is what I found the most unintentionally comical. Wait, are you insulting Alan Rickman's acting job? Because that sir will not stand. Listen, he was he was excellent in Galaxy Quest. I hear he was fine in Harry Potter. And I think he was good for 97% of Die Hard. I just didn't like his death scene. All right. Well, when he comes back in the next... Oh, sorry. Spoiler. (laughs) Does he really? He he doesn't come back. (laughs) He's he's dead. They did show Goodenough coming back to life first. I will say, and I don't think this this might spoil it. I'm trying to decide. Do do you think you will... Before I spoil anything from the rest of the series... Do you think you will watch any of the subsequent movies? Yeah, I hope so. Okay. I want to see the whole series. I won't spoil. spoil. Listen, I feel like spoilers, once you've gone, I don't know, say 20 years beyond the release date, you are no longer allowed to worry about being Well, that's fine. But at the same time, you know, I think if you've gone 20 years without. Yeah, exactly. If you've made it that far. And it's not like people are constantly going to be talking about this right now. So if someone else spoils it for you, fine. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Um, I think you're suggesting what, what I'm predicting here is that Gudenov is going to be like the the lead <laughs> bad guy. Alexander Gudenov comes back in the third one, and he's a cyborg. You're lying. There's no way to prove it. <laughs> well, there is. <laughs> You'll just have to watch it. I will say this: I have seen the next three. I did not see the one that came out earlier this year, which uh, I heard was not very good. But is, I will probably Justin watch Long it. In that one. No, Justin Long was in the fourth one. And then Shia LaBeouf. Like some, some no, uh, in. I don't know who's in the... Some guy plays his son in the in the new one, which takes place in Russia, I guess. Huh. Um, I have not seen it. I will probably watch it at some point because I am a fan of does the he, Die Hard series. Does he stay married to Mrs. Braverman? Uh, there's, there's some ups and downs. Okay. It, being married to John McClane is never simple. Oh, geez. I hope she doesn't get killed. I mean... 
there's lasting effects from the glass in his feet. Like, he's got some PTSD from the whole thing. He's got a bullet wound now. I mean, like, how much trouble could he possibly get up to in the future? Wow. Well, I liked it. I, now, do people when people talk about it as a Christmas movie, they mostly mean that jokingly, right? It has almost nothing to do with Christmas. Well, it's it's set at Christmas, right? I, I like don't it as really a, think of it as a holiday movie. I mean, I do sometimes. I like to watch it at Christmas, but it doesn't. You know, is there a Christmas message? Like, I don't know. Don't shoot kids with ray guns. <laughs> yeah. Well, really, I guess the lesson there is: don't give the kid a ray gun for Christmas. Always be prepared, just in case terrorists attack. I mean, this is also interesting because this is a terrorist movie from like the '80s schools of terrorism, right? Like, right. like Back to the Future, the Libyans. You know, it's this is very different. Like, you couldn't really make this particular movie today based on everything that's happened in the last 15 years. But And it really didn't seem like they were true terrorists, right? At the end of the day, they just wanted the money. Oh, right, right. Absolutely. They were thieves. But think about all the procedures and all the stuff that would be, you know, right. done to combat terror. Like, terrorism is kind of a joke in this movie, right? Like, oh, the terrorists, they kidnap people, you know, they hold the Stockholm Syndrome jokes and, and stuff right. like that, where it's, it's not really taken that seriously. You've got the FBI is incredibly, the FBI is incredibly aggressive. The police department is bumbling, right? Like right. they don't have, they don't Just do anything. Just truly incompetent. Right? So there is a certain amount of like satire in this too, which I yes. think is what, what elevates it beyond many of its compatriots. Is that a theme that carries? Is that sort of cultural awareness and criticism and sarcasm? Is that a theme of the diehard? I, I wish I could say it was. I don't think they, I don't think the rest of the the movies have done that well. The rest of them are more like sort of you know fun action movies. Um, there's there's some relation you know character stuff in some of the later movies, but a lot of them are just really just action blockbuster. See, I'm okay with it. I mean, I don't watch a ton of action movies. I don't have any objection to it. But for me, I feel like if I've seen you know one shootout and one car chase, then you know unless they're exceptional. I can't get that excited about them, especially in the modern movie making era where it's so many quick cuts right. and things. I can barely keep track of what's happening, <sighs> like gunfights and fist fights. I I can't even. I can't. Well, it doesn't scan for me. I don't know. And what's that, and that's why I think this movie is really great. I mean, this is kind of the action movie par excellence for me because it really, among other things, you have this very human hero, like the right. thing where he keeps getting like he gets beat up and shot and whatever, but like and he keeps going. But it's not like he keeps going invulnerably, right? Right. You I would know, like to have seen him suffer or, or show the suffering a little bit more, at least at the end. Like the fact that he walked over to the guy instead of just letting family dad, family guy dad walk to him. Family matters. Family matters. Dad walk to him like his feet have to be killing him. But yes, I think you're right. The fact well, that he is he's not right. he's not Rambo. I mean, you've got the standard trope of everybody shooting and nobody hits anybody. But you know, he certainly, you can see that he is suffering in an increasing amount of pain. I just wanted him to be like dead on his feet by the end. Well, and he's pretty close. I mean, I think he's, he's, you know, running on fumes at that point. And there are that scene, that scene where he's like holed up in the bathroom, right? And he's like, I'm done. You know, he's yes. pulling the glass out of his feet. Like there's, he's always sort of been an everyman who gets caught up in things. And I think it gets, obviously that gets more and more comical as the series goes by. You know, because how does the same thing keep happening to him? Right. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you know, he's he's likable because he's just a regular Joe, not like a super spy or anything. So besides the fact that it was funny, another thing that surprised me was uh, I had no expectation that two actors and two characters thus would utter the, the famous yippee Kaye motherfucker line. Oh, I'm glad that got to take you by surprise. Because yeah. I mean, so I, I remember watching this movie once. I had already seen it. I watched it. Um, 
I was watching it on British television when I lived in Scotland. It was on. It was on the you know network in, TV there. In British television, do they say EPKA governor? It's it's dubbed entirely in British accents. <laughs> Oi, <laughs> that's all I'm gonna do. Um, no, but the it was it was on TV, so they they did dub over the swears. Um, and so it it in that one it was Yippie Kaye, my friend. Right. Um, there's another one. There's a really good one some way where they you know. Shoot, I'm trying to remember what they what they dub it over as in one of the uh, English versions, but it's it's something that's like Yippie Kaye, monkey friend, or something like that. I think uh, I think Jason Mother Russia is one that I'm seeing. And well, that's Mr. that's Falcon. the tagline, Mister Falcon. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, so there, I mean, there they there are some bizarre, uh, like when you're trying to do the swear dub, and there's a lot of swears in this movie, which I think is. Interestingly enough, something that happens more in 80s action movies and like 80s, 80s, 90s R-rated R movies. I feel like these days there's like a ton of violence, but like like cursing is used almost to sporadic comic effect in like an action movie, right? Right. Like, I mean, I saw the uh, the latest Fast and the Furious movie. I hadn't seen Why? any of those before. Um, I was worried the continuity would be an issue. Um, but why, why did you see? I, I went to see it with a friend just for just for kicks. He okay. he enjoys them because he finds them ridiculous and kind of entertaining in their ridiculousness. All but right. like I can't even I think about that and I'm like I don't think that they even swore that much in that movie. I mean it's it is kind of weird to look back at the eighties and feel like profanity was a little more acceptable in some ways. Or maybe it's just that I don't know. I don't know. It's not even acceptable, but like it was just something that got it really distinguished a rated R movie from like a PG movie, right? I, I, yeah, I mean, right now it's it probably I, I don't know what Fast and Furious is rated, but there's a lot of times now if you want to get the PG thirteen so you can get more kids in, you have to limit. You get one fuck, right, sometimes two right. fucks, and that's it. So there's a lot more of that now. Um, since they realized that PG thirteen movies make, I more guess money. I guess Fast and Furious is only rated PG thirteen. Yeah, so that's so you were right then. You were right about this swearing. Yeah. Well, the best, and of course, the to me, there's still a, a really. I think my favorite use of the one profanity rule. Um, I don't. I doubt you've seen this movie, but um, the most recent X Men movie, there, which is a PG thirteen movie, I believe. Um, there's one scene where a guy just goes like fuck off and it's it's a perfect it's a cameo that's the cameo guy's only line in that movie and it's it's executed perfectly who has the cameo um hugh jackman ah um so yeah there's is a pl- i mean is he playing the wolverine at that he point? is playing wolverine they come to recruit him like they're they're doing a montage <laughs> did, where they did, go did saying recruit. the wolverine like was that really embarrassing just now no okay they, that's the name of the movie that's coming out this summer is the wolverine. all right good so yeah, they come to recruit him in a bar, and like they're recruiting all these mutants, and they walk into a bar, and he's sitting at the bar, like smoking a cigar, and they're like, "So," and he just goes, "Fuck off," and they're like, "Okay." So that is funny. It is a well done cameo. Um, so yeah, I, the, there's a lot of profanity in this movie. There's a lot of violence. There's, there's a, lot, a of, lot of violence. There's a lot of people dying. Yeah. Um, it's funny how quickly they make Ellis despicable, and you want to see him dead. He does a great um, job, man. Yes. I will say, you know, it's the same. You meant you referenced Bond before. You see the same thing here, where there's a lot of, I could absolutely kill you right now, but instead I won't, and the movie will go on longer. <laughs> yes, the exposition. John McClane should be dead like four times by the end of this movie. Yeah, there, there is. I mean, it, it falls prey to many of the tropes, but it also sort of, you know, it started many of the tropes, right? It popularized so many of them, right? And or at least it was before they were so overdone. So I'm right. sure you try to put yourself in that mindset. But it was an enjoyable movie. I liked it more than I liked Beverly Hills Cop. I would, I would agree with that. I mean, I, of course, I've seen this many more times. Than I've seen Beverly Hills Cop, but I feel like it's, 
it's a better made movie. I will say, you know, in, in some of those scenes, like maybe when he's picking the glass out of his feet and he's giving that message to the other officer over the phone, you know, tell my wife this, it might have benefited from a little do. Just in the background. Neutron dance? Somebody should mash that up. No neutron dance. I'm going full axle left this time. I mean, I would have liked to see Eddie Murphy, like, as a cameo. (laughs) Like, in the background, like, running around while while the cops are out, like, dealing with Nakatomi Tower. Yes. Axel! Axel! You gotta get to Nakatomi Tower. Nah. Nah, I got I'm gonna stick a banana in this tailpipe. That's right. Not um, lots of great, lots of great little little roles in this movie too. There are no little roles in this movie; only little actors. That's right. There are, <laughs> there are no little actors. In this movie. No, I mean like William Atherton. Peter Dinklage. Yeah, <laughs> William Atherton doesn't even get like that much to do as the uh, he's the reporter. The, right, the news reporter. Yeah, I I will say I thought the news anchor was excellent. He has like four lines in the movie, and they were all good. Yeah, it's it, it feels so eighties now too. I don't know. Yeah, well, no, but I feel like the the battle between the anchor and the reporter is an age old. That's just that's universal. Yeah, that's just constantly happens. <laughs> what is it? What, what does he say is in Sweden? Oh, is Helsinki. It, is it Helsinki? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, that the, the other thing that's one of the things that's great about this this from a filmmaking perspective to me is that almost everything that's laid down in that first like twenty minutes is relevant in some way. Like it's very economical. Like they mentioned the part with like the watch, right? Like, oh, she got this watch. It's a Rolex. Like, and the watch is the thing that holds up Hans Gruber in the last scene. Like, there's right. there's little things mentioned all along the way that end up being relevant in some way. And I think that's to me that's impressive. There's not a lot of extraneous stuff. Everything sort of comes back in one way or another. Um, Do so you think that, insurance covers the Rolex? I, you know, filing that claim. I don't know if that counts as an act of John McClane or what. I think they call it a John McClane. A John McClane? Yeah. An active John McClane? Yes. But, you know, I think you're right. I think it was it was economical in that sense. And I also just found that the pacing was really good. There were no times where you're like, let's get this scene over with and move on. Like, yeah. uh, And honestly, I mean, it's, it's obnoxious, but you can see some sort of adolescent audience members getting bored if it were just a scene where he's pouring his heart out over the phone and saying, you know, tell my wife this and I'm giving up. But the fact that he's also pulling glass out of his extremely bloody feet makes it's some, that scene it's something work for on a different level right and there, but there's a, you know I, I felt like there was very little downtime i didn't quite get what the plan was when they were carrying his wife around since i thought he thought that john mcclain was dead by that point insurance but you're right a john mcclain a john mcclain but uh yeah there was it, it just felt like you know and it wasn't you know the the steady constant adrenaline where you feel like you can't even catch your breath because there were moments of comic relief and uh, moments of downtime. But like you had mentioned during the movie, there was very nice timing, nice beats for you know both spoken line punchlines and for effects and explosion punchlines and everything it was good. I thought it was a well made movie. People should see Die Hard. I don't know why they wait so long. <laughs> Twenty five yeah. years later, Lex Friedman has issued his verdict. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. For Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, well, it's, it's all right. I'll give it a uh, give it like a B plus, A minus. What are we gonna watch next time? That's a great question, Lex. I think we're due to watch something that I have not watched, and I don't know what that is because I have not watched it. I uh, are you pulling I'm, up our master list? I'm open to anything. I'm I'm a little bit leaning towards UHF because that's probably the movie that you haven't seen that I know the best. But that's I'm the movie I haven't seen anything. the most. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, Dan, thanks so much for showing me uh, Die Hard. If I was going to watch it for the first time after all this time, I'm glad I watched it with you. And if I were going to watch it for the ninth time, I'm glad that it was you or somebody very much like you. For Dan Morin, I'm Lex Friedman. For Lex Friedman, I'm Dan Morin. Is that true? Mm, I can't prove it. (laughs) This has been Not Playing with Lex and Dan. I'll never dance again. (laughs) The way I danced with you. Nobody puts John McClane in the corner.